Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young, and we are going to start off with the story of the night. We usually save the on-field performances for a little later, but come on, this is the story of the night and maybe even the story of the season. Albert Pujols came in with 698 home runs on Friday and decided to just end this. Finish the game two for four, two runs, five RBIs, two home runs, number 699 and 700. When this season started, I never thought he would get there. This run has been just magical. Such a great story, a fitting end for a legit legend. Babe Ruth got to 700, Hank Aaron got there, Barry Bonds, and now Albert Pujols is the fourth in history to get to 700 home runs. Just an awesome moment. Great for the game. Great for the Cardinals. Great for Pujols. But we'll jump back now to the news of the day. Late Thursday night, after I recorded and posted, we got some interesting quotes from Dave Roberts regarding closer Craig Kimbrell. And then Friday, Roberts confirmed that he is moving Kimbrell to a different role, and he'll play matchups in the ninth inning. Friday, there was no save chance, but when one comes up, I would think Evan Phillips could be next in line. But again, based on matchups, it sounds like a committee. Kimbrell took the sixth on Friday, went one, two, three without a strikeout. It's worth noting that while he's being moved out of the closer role, there's nothing that would stop him from being part of that committee if he pitches well. The Mariners took a big hit before games even started Friday as Julio Rodriguez was placed on the IL due to the back tightness that had him pulled from his game on Thursday. That keeps him out until the last couple days of the season at minimum. He is really the engine that drives that team, and so it is a big loss. Then they went out and lost to Kansas City, which paired with a Baltimore win, leaves them just three games up for the last wildcard spot. Rodriguez will be a first-round pick in fantasy next year, but you'll be without him the rest of the way this year. Taylor Trammell was recalled to replace J-Rod, but boy, that is a big loss for fantasy managers as well as the Mariners. The Twins recalled Louis Varland to join the team for a start against Anaheim. He went five and two-thirds, giving up three runs on seven hits and a walk with three strikeouts. Varland's been up and down in limited innings for the Twins, and I don't think there's any need to add him in any format at the moment. Aaron Sanchez DFA'd to make room. The Jays recalled Mitch White to start Friday against the Rays in a crucial game with the top wildcard spot on the line. White's 5.12 ERA on the year is misleading but he wasn't great against the Rays. Three runs over four innings pitch, struck out just two, although he did walk just one. He allowed five hits. He could be a decent streamer. There's some signs in the profile that suggest he could be, but he's got the Yankees next. I guess you could wait and see if he gets Baltimore to close out the season, but for now, nothing to see. Rangers activated Joe Barlow from the 15-day IL, making his return to the Texas pen after more than a month away. He hasn't gotten a save chance since June, so it is 
unlikely that he displaces Jose Leclerc. On Friday, he took the eighth inning with the Rangers down six to three, faced three hitters, struck out one of them. No problems for him. Eric Lauer was also activated to get a start. Jake Cousins was optioned by Milwaukee to make room. Lauer facing the Reds didn't last real long, just two and two thirds, gave up two runs on five hits and three walks. That is a lot of base runners in less than three innings. He did strike out three, but not a lot of good coming out of that one. The Reds shuffled their rotation as well. Mike Miner hit the IL and Luis Sessa was moved up to start against the Brewers. Nick Senzel was moved to the 60-day IL. That cleared room for Connor Overton to be activated from the 60-day IL. Overton had thrown 24 innings earlier in the year that were very effective despite very few strikeouts. He had just 10, and that's not 10 strikeouts per nine innings. That is 10 strikeouts in 24 and two-thirds innings. I would expect Overton to get a chance to start and show what he can bring for the future, but 10 strikeouts in 24 and two-thirds is not something you chase for fantasy. The Reds also scratched Donovan Solano from the lineup, but no update on why. In his unexpected start, Sessa went four and two-thirds, gave up two earned runs, three total runs, six hits, four walks, three strikeouts. Very similar to Lauer, a lot of base runners and could have been a lot more runs. The Rays placed Ryan Yarborough on the IL as expected, leaving them with a hole in their rotation. They made a couple other small moves Friday, but nothing to fill that gap. It sounds like they expect Tyler Glass now to be ready soon, and with an off day coming up Monday, they can hold off until Wednesday to activate him and give him a start against Cleveland. Glass now made a rehab start for Durham Friday, went two and two-thirds, striking out six and walking one without allowing a hit or a run. If he feels good after that, he should be good to go to return Wednesday. I would get him if you can. I doubt he throws many innings, three, maybe four, but I bet they're very good. We aren't done with pitchers being shut down. Tyler Wells had shoulder soreness after his last start, so he's headed to the IL, ending his season. Spencer Watkins is rejoining the club, but will pitch in relief while Mike Bauman will rejoin the rotation. The Twins are shutting down Byron Buxton, who will undergo season-ending arthroscopic knee surgery. It sounds like he could have played through it if the team had anything to play for, They don't, so he's having the surgery now. Team's calling the surgery a cleanup. This will let him get an early start to his offseason with plans to be ready to go for spring training. As if that weren't enough, the Twins also provided less than thrilling updates on three other players. Tyler Molly officially done for the year. Trevor Larnock felt wrist soreness in his day-to-day on his rehab assignment. And Jorge Polanco is uncertain to return this year as his knee is not back to 100%. Shouldn't be a long absence, but Jake McCarthy has been on fire for Arizona and then was placed on the bereavement list Friday, which will keep him away from the team through the weekend. McCarthy has maintained a fairly regular role with the D-backs and has performed consistently. Looking to next year, they're going to have to make room for Corbin Carroll, Dalton Varsho, Alec Thomas, Stone Garrett, and McCarthy. It is a fun group. Garrett, by the way, has been the small side of a platoon lately, but he is killing the ball when he plays and he had a home run and a double on Friday. Paven Smith, who had some hype earlier in the year, was called up to replace McCarthy, but didn't start Friday. Arizona also recalled Tommy Henry to get the start. He went just four and two-thirds, giving up five runs and six hits, three walks and six strikeouts, got tagged for three home runs. Padres scratched Austin Nola, but nothing to worry about, just a case of the manager making a late change. Nola came on later to catch and got a plate appearance. Similarly, the Rays scratched Tyler Walls, but then he came on to pinch run and score a run. Ramon Urias was scratched from the Baltimore lineup due to neck and back spasms, and they will need him back if they're going to make a run for that last wildcard spot, which is suddenly getting interesting again. Some upcoming activations, Graham Ashcraft should be back today for the Reds to start, Freddie Peralta should start tomorrow for the Brewers, and Max Castillo should rejoin the Royals tomorrow as well. 
back to the on-the-field action. Pujols not the only one to hit two home runs. Taylor Ward also hit a pair, not nearly as exciting as the other ones. Just two for four, two runs, two RBIs, two home runs, two non-milestones. Well, I guess he hit his 20th and 21st. 20 is a milestone, right? He's going to be an interesting draft topic because his season was so up and down. I like what I see from Ward, and I hope I'm able to buy low. Jiwon Bay made his debut for the Pirates and was one for three with a walk and two stolen bases. Bay has 30 steals in AAA this year, stole 20 and 31 the last two years in the minors. So the speed is legit. The hit tool appears to be pretty good as well. He's a two-category guy, but if you need steals and average and he's playing, he could provide those. Adley Rutschman did a bit of everything Friday. Three for three, walked, hit a double, hit a home run, drove in two, scored two, stole his fourth base. I think he's going to have a strong case to be the first catcher off the board in 23. Reese Hoskins homered and doubled, scoring one and driving in three in a three-for-four effort, added a walk for good measure. Season's been a slight disappointment, just a little below expectations, but he still provides power and OBP. Randy Rosarena, two for five with a home run and a run, but added a massive six RBI. He is seventh among outfielders on the Rasball Player Raider with his power-speed combo. I don't think many people expected him to be a top 10 outfielder. I wouldn't bank on him being top 10 again next year, but man, he is good. Other home runs around the game. We covered a lot of them, so not a ton here, but Patrick Wisdom hit his 24th. Brian Reynolds is 25th. Jack Sawinski is 17th. Same for Lane Thomas and same for Tommy Pham. Aaron Hicks, the other Aaron for the Yankees, got his 8th. Alex Verdugo is 10th. Randall Gritchuk is 16th. Juan Soto got his 26th. He also had a double. Cal Raleigh hit his 24th. Jonathan Scope is 11th. AJ Pollock is 14th. Eduardo Escobar's 19th home run was a grand slam. Dermis Garcia got his 5th for the A's. Brandon Crawford is 9th. Austin wins his 2nd. And David Villar his 7th. A lot of stolen bases. Bay wasn't the only pirate running. O'Neill Cruz and Kevin Newman each got their 8th, while Jack Swinski got his 4th. By the way, that is a combo meal for Sawinski. And it looks like the Pirates will just be running this weekend. Same with the Brewers. Yelich got his 17th. Garrett Mitchell is 5th. Willie Adamas is 8th. And Colton Wong his 16th. The Guardians and Rangers were both running quite a bit Friday. Andreas Jimenez is 19th. Josh Naylor stole his 6th. Will Brennan got the first two of his career. Adelise Garcia stole his 25th. Bubba Thompson is 17th. And Josh Young his 2nd all in that one game. Nelson Velasquez got his 5th. John Birdie his 37th. Jorge Mateo, trying to keep pace, got his 32nd and 33rd. Harrison Bader got his 16th, but that was as a pinch runner. Bo Bichette got his 12th, Akil Badu his 6th, and Willie Castro his 8th. On the hill, Jose Urquidy was good. He went 5 and a 3rd, gave up a run on 3 hits, 6 strikeouts and a walk. Very nice start for him, not nearly enough for a W. Dean Kramer, complete game, shut out 9 innings, no runs, 4 hits, 2 walks, 6 strikeouts. This is a day after Kyle Bradish did almost the same to the Astros. Kramer doesn't flash the upside that Bradish does, but the floor is a lot higher. Urquidy should get one more start versus Tampa, while Kramer should get Boston and may have Toronto to follow. All of that is fine except for the Kramer versus Toronto game, but I don't love either of those starts. I don't know, though. After, after what Kramer just did, I mean, how do you sit him against Boston? Brady Singer with a terrific start for the Royals. Seven innings, eight strikeouts, two walks, gave up just a run on five hits. Singer has pitched the second half like an ace, and it seems he intends to finish the season that way. He will close with Cleveland, although it's unclear if that's one more start or two. Depends how they treat that six-game series at the end of the year. 
Aaron Nola kept Atlanta off the board, going six innings, giving up four hits and three walks, but no runs with eight strikeouts. Nola's got the Cubs next, which should be great, followed by Houston, which is eh, maybe risky, but I don't know why you wouldn't start him. Maybe maybe Jose Quintana is inspired by Pools because he also continued his resurgence season. Six and two-thirds shutout at Dodger Stadium. Allowed just five hits, struck out six without a walk. There's something in the water in St. Louis. He gets Pittsburgh next, too. Chris Bassett continues to cruise, eight innings, two runs, six hits and a walk. Struck out only two, but still a great start, even if it was against the weak A's. Atlanta's next, but Bassett's playing his way into an every start guy. Braxton Garrett was excellent again, going six innings, striking out six without a walk, giving up just one run on five hits. Garrett gets Milwaukee next, and I'm good with that. Then he should finish with Atlanta. That one depends a bit on what Atlanta's situation is and what kind of lineup they put out there for an end-of-the-season game. Shohei Otani was a bit wild, walking six in five innings, but he also struck out seven and gave up just three hits. Despite all of those base runners, he only allowed two runs and got a W. Not particularly good in this one, and lucky it's not going to show up in his ERA. Two decent starts from risky streamers in Texas. Cody Morris went five, giving up two runs, but just one of them was earned. Four hits, two walks, five strikeouts. He gets Tampa next, and I'm more and more impressed with him. John Gray managed to avoid the Guardians' ability to find hits. Gave up just one hit and one unearned run and one walk over five innings pitch, but he also only struck out one hitter. This was mostly good luck rather than particularly good pitching for Gray. He goes against Seattle next, and without Julio Rodriguez, that is not as scary as it seemed like it might have been. Garrett Cole, so close to an excellent start, and then grooved one to Alex Verdugo. That turned into a three-run shot, leaving Cole with four runs on five hits, two walks over six, struck out eight. He also got himself tossed, arguing balls and strikes. But he is still one of the best aces out there. Just roll with this kind of unfortunate homer because the upside is huge. Two guys who were expected to be aces who have not put up similar lines head-to-head on Friday. Lucas Giolito and Eduardo Rodriguez both gave up three runs in six innings, both allowed one walk. Giolito gave up six hits while striking out nine, took a no decision. Rodriguez gave up eight hits while striking out three and got the win. Giolito has to deal with Minnesota next, but Rodriguez gets KC, and I like that one. Andrew Haney has been so good, but Friday, four runs, four hits, and three and two-thirds to the Cardinals. San Diego's next, and that's no easier. Jake Odorizzi having a decent season, but the Phillies had no issues with him. Eight runs on 10 hits and three walks in four innings. Washington's next, and that should be better, but boy, I don't trust him at all. Jeffrey Springs with a tough matchup against the Jays, and it was a struggle. Four runs, three of them earned over five innings pitched. He did strike out six and walk just one, had six hits allowed. Springs gets Cleveland next, and so he stays in my lineups. And one last disappointing effort as Carlos Rodon went four and a third, giving up four runs on four hits, walking three and striking out seven. For teams fighting for a title like one of mine, this is a brutal hit to take this late in the season. His velocity was way down, which is concerning. But if he's on the hill for his next start, that's going to be Colorado in San Francisco. You're going to have to use him. Looking at the bullpens, Eric Elman hasn't been all that great for the Cubs, but he got the ninth on Friday for his first save, gave up a hit and two walks with one strikeout in the process. Not real pretty. Dylan Floro got his sixth save from Miami, striking out one and allowing a hit in the process. Devin Williams got four outs. Three of those were via the strikeout to get his 14th save. He should be one of the first closers off the board next year, I would think, especially if his hold on the roll looks clean. Jonathan Loisega and Matt Strom were both called on in a tie game in the eighth. 
Loisaga held the tie for the Yankees. Strom didn't for the Red Sox. That allowed Loisaga to stay in to take the ninth and claim his second win. Clay Holmes, still the guy, but Aaron Boone will mix and match as needed, so he's not going to get every save chance. The Rays and Jays exchanged rough bullpen outings. First, Anthony Bass blew a save for the Jays in the fifth. Then, Colin Pache was tagged with two runs. Those runs, however, scored with Jason Adam on the mound, so he took the blown save. Then, with the game tied, Yimmy Garcia gave up four runs on three hits and two walks in the eighth to take the loss. The only good news is that only one of those runs was earned, but still not great for the Jays. And those two teams, by the way, now tied for the top wildcard spot. Emmanuel Classe got his major league leading 38th save, striking out one and giving up two hits. He does give up a decent amount of contact. It's mostly soft contact, but that does leave him susceptible to the occasional seeing-eyed single that can cause outings like the one he had on Friday. Daniel Bard got a two-inning win, keeping the Padres off the board in the ninth and the 10th. The Rockies walked it off. This was the sixth win for the Rocky closer. Ryan Tapera closed out his fourth save of the season for the Angels, striking out two and giving up a hit. Gregory Soto with a perfect ninth for his 27th save. And finally, Camilo Duvall gave up a hit, got a strikeout, and racked up his 25th save on the year. With that, let's take a quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. Before we dive into our streamers and hitters, let's look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. Uh, we're getting right towards the end of the season, and luckily for uh, second to last day of a season-long league week, um, we have just a few showers around Minnesota as they host the Angels. Don't see a postponement, probably not even a delay, but this is the only game with a concern, and that's some really good news as we get right towards the end of the season, as I already mentioned. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mark. For streamers, I really like Cal Quantrill against Texas. I think it's probably my favorite choice, but Bailey Falter's been very good lately, and if he's available, even against Atlanta, I like the matchup. As for bats that could have a big day, the Mets are not going to go easy on Ken Waldachuk, who's really struggled lately. Eduardo Escobar has been crushing the ball of late and I think could be an interesting play. Look to see if Mark Vientos is in the lineup as well. I really believe in the power of that bat, and I think he's going to break out soon. The Marlins are facing Eric Fetty. They should also have some success. On that note, enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy some of these pennant races. There are some interesting races heating up. No, it seems like a lot of the divisions are over. Still some drama in the NL East, but wild cards aren't done. Questions about who's going to be hosting wild card games are still open. Milwaukee's now within two games of San Diego. Baltimore within three games of Seattle. So still some real intrigue and drama as we, we watch where, where teams are going to land, who's playing who, 
and who are going to get those final wildcard spots. So sit back, enjoy those games, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.